The Bad and Ambitious Podcast is an unfiltered and authentic podcast where I will be discussing topics relating to self-improvement, finance, and relationships. I'm redefining what a bad bitch is, and I'm giving you the tools to be your most well-rounded and confident self. Follow me on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to podcasts. For up-to-date information and motivational content, follow my Instagram at the Bad and Ambitious Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Welcome back to the Bad and Ambitious podcast. On today's episode, we're going to talk about healing your relationship with food. And I have a guest. Her name is Nuna, and she is a nutrition and food freedom coach. Hello, Nuna. Hello. How are you? I'm very good. I've just woken up this morning in Bali. It's Nyepi, which is the silence day. (laughs) So I probably shouldn't be recording a podcast, but um, it's a day of reflection and no work and no, um, actually in the evening we won't get any light. So yeah, it's a very like inwards day, but yeah, I feel good. Oh, wow. I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's awesome. So (laughs) First off, I want to ask you, what's your definition of a bad bitch? Mm-hmm. A bad bitch. Mm, okay, so I think a bad bitch is self-aware, knows her worth, and blocks out the noise of the bullshit around her as she follows her dreams. And one word that really came up for me as I'm like on my journey as a bad bitch is boundaries um I feel like a bad bitch has really great boundaries with other people and I'm still working on that myself (laughs) I think having boundaries talks a lot about your self-respect because people who don't have boundaries don't really fully respect their time and like you said doesn't really know like their worth and their value Mm -hmm. and that's what we're trying to yeah that's what we're trying to you know represent here on the platform so please tell us who you are where you live because you live in freaking bali that's amazing and (laughs) why you became a coach and why you thought it was important to go into that so i moved to bali six months ago i was living in london before that Um, I mean, that's a whole other story in itself, but I won't go into it. Um, So why I became a coach. So it ties in a lot to my food freedom journey. Um, I was obsessed with dieting and weight loss and nutrition for like 10 years. And it started at the age of literally like 13 or 14. Oh, wow. Um, And I ended up doing a nutrition degree at university, a master's, because of this obsession. I was just so eager to find out the the best way to lose weight. And I wanted to know that secret, (laughs) even though I had been researching it. Like I probably knew everything already that I learned on my degree because I had spent so much time trying to understand it in my own time um, because it was like the one thing that was the most important thing to me. Um, So I did my nutrition degree. And then after my degree, I actually started realizing some things about myself. I became a bit more self-aware. I've noticed that there's a reason why I'm binge eating. There's a reason why I hate the way I look. There is, um, I mean, binge eating is not normal. Like restricting myself was not normal. I would look 
um, ahead at my future and be like, am I really going to be in this like relationship, like tug of war with food for the rest of my life? Like it's so stressful planning my day or being invited somewhere because I'm getting so stressed out about the way that I look, what I'm eating, the fact that everyone else can eat what they want. And I just thought there must be something going on here because this is not normal. Or maybe it is actually more normal than we think, but it's not its not a way to live. Um, and so I started healing my relationship with food. Um, and it took me a couple of years because I didn't actually have anyone to guide me. I was just kind of like doing it from things I was hearing or whatever. Um, and then when I healed my relationship with food, I was like, wow, my life has completely changed. I can travel and enjoy cultures and different foods and not worry about my body shape and the carbs or the fat or the sugar and my my kind of, I mean, my eating completely balanced. I stopped binge eating. Everything was just a lot more positive in my life. I had more confidence. I had more thinking space. And I thought, you know what? I need to help people do this too because... I know a lot of people who have the same struggles as me um, and I felt like it was it was my duty to pass on this like transformation that I had with myself to other people because when you're trapped in that like obsession with food and dieting and weight and it really does take over your whole life um, and honestly I don't think I would be where I am with my businesses if I hadn't healed my relationship with food first. Um, so that's why I became a coach. <laughs> so I'm a nutritionist slash food freedom coach. Um, and that's what I decided to focus my, my purpose on. Where do you think that your unhealthy habits stemmed from? Do you think it was society, your upbringing? Was it people around you that kind of put that upon you? Or did you kind of self sabotage your eating habits because I know when you're you know I was a young woman once and mm -hmm. it's easy I think to not really know what's right and wrong for certain things was it just you were young like what was it it's a, a combination of many things and this is what I saw in my I see when I look back at myself but it's something that I know for sure through all my training um that is like apparent with everyone who suffers from the same thing so the way that you eat um, and your body image is very very linked to your self-worth so it's about um, basing your worth on something like the way that you look or whether you're eating in a perfect way or the the way that society kind of teaches us that is the ideal way to eat and what happens is that we put expectations on ourselves um, that are quite high and that's from um, that's like innately we've put that there but also we learn all these expectations from people around us and society um, and it comes down to diet culture in general so that's yeah a culture it's something that's around us all the time this um, message that uh, weight loss and your body shape and your appearance is more important than your physical and mental health and we're all absorbing that message daily um, it also comes from your family who you who you are in close 
communication with. So for me, my mother and my father were, and my grandparents too, my aunties, my uncles, <laughs> they were all uh, very kind of in that weight loss world. My mum was always complaining about the way that her body looked. My family were always kind of normalizing this trash talk your body kind of like narrative. Um, and my mum would eat a bar of chocolate and then beat herself up. And I was absorbing all these messages as a child. And I was thinking, okay, this is, this is how you talk to yourself. You know, when you eat a full share bar of chocolate, like you should beat yourself up and then you should restrict yourself the next day to make up for it. And, you know, so it's like, it's your close family and your friends um, and your community, but it's also the culture that you live in, like, you know, Western culture versus like Eastern culture. African culture is very different because they actually celebrate bigger bodies. Um, so you really have to take a lens and look at everything around you and what are the subtle messages that you're receiving, but also the obvious ones and which ones are actually like serving you and which ones are actually contributing to the unhealthy relationship that you have with yourself and with food. What do you think are some red flags that people might not realize is something that is a big deal with the way they eat? For me, I when I first started kind of doing the gym more seriously at a certain point I was tracking all my food for a few days on my fitness pal and I realized that I was being very obsessive over everything that I was eating and I had to stop because I'm like it was only three days but I was like really trying to pinpoint everything and I saw that could have been going in a bad direction so what do you think are other signs like do you think people try to hide their eating habits like binge eating, I have never experienced that, but I know that some people feel a lot of shame around that. And I think a lot of it gets worse because of the shame and because they're trying to hide a problem that they have. Absolutely. Um, it's it's really sad because of how much the emotions come into play. Um, and that's what I was going to say. Like, if you feel like you have anxiety around food, if you feel like you have a lot of guilt when you eat things, um, if you use loaded or judgmental language around food, like good or bad, clean, dirty, junk food, real or fake, um, that's also a really big telltale sign. Uh, regularly skipping meals, punishing yourself for eating with exercise or exercising to earn food, having rigid food rules with like little flexibility. And I think that really shows up with guilt when it comes to binge eating. So even though you feel like you're not restricting yourself because you end up binge eating, you're still mentally restricting yourself. You're telling yourself that you shouldn't be doing something. Um, it also comes into like some other red flags is only eating at specific times um, avoiding eating in social situations because you might not know what food will be served. Um, also, always choosing the healthiest option rather than what you really want. Um, compulsively counting calories or macros, just as you said, like that is a huge telltale sign because it's there's kind of like with food, it's it's fuel for sure, um, but it's really there to be enjoyed as well, right? We have taste buds for a reason. And our, bo our body has such an innate wise voice that it tells us what we need um, 
every second of the day. You just have to listen to it. So for example, if you go for a run, um, if you start running every day, right, it's a new habit, Mm -hmm. you will find that your appetite increases because your body knows it needs more food. So what I say to people is, you know, you don't actually need to count calories or macros if you listen to your body because your body has a very, very wise and very loud voice, but you just have to be in tune with it. Um, so yeah, I mean, that those are probably like my red flags that I look for. Um, the biggest thing I would say is, is the guilt. Yeah, that's true. Also, to talk about boundaries, like you mentioned before, how would you, <laughs> I guess, in a healthy way, know when to stop eating bad food? So for me, sometimes I do treat myself, but what is treating yourself a little too much? You know what I mean? Because sometimes I'm like, I deserve this. I did that. And one time I went vegan, it was like a work challenge. And I felt like just because I was vegan, I deserved the extra vegan cheesecake or the extra cookie just because I was doing good on this diet. That was just for a very short term. It was literally two weeks. But I feel like that could also be a slippery slope where you feel like, you know, like you deserve too much of something that at the end of the day obviously everything in moderation is best but like where do you think people should draw the line um so with me and intuitive eating there is no line and it's very interesting and you might find this kind of like very new because I can tell in your language um the words that you're using that um maybe you aren't fully in the intuitive eating space yet Um, And that's not a bad thing. I'm not criticizing you at all. I'm just um, um, taking note because it's very interesting. So basically, you just described food, some foods as bad. And for you to have a intuitive and like completely healthy relationship with food, it's actually really detrimental to label foods as bad or talk about having things in moderation or... um, or to say that there needs to be a line somewhere and even say that you deserve to eat food, right? Because actually that's what creates the guilt. When you start having these um, kind of judgments on like how much you should eat, how, or what you should eat, what, where the line is, then as humans, we will, we're humans, right? We will cross those lines sometimes if you have them. And that's when the guilt comes in. And that's when we think, okay, I need to make up for it tomorrow because I went overboard. Um, And what really healed my relationship with food and what heals all my clients' relationships with food is when they let go of this expectation of there is a right way to eat. Because, and I know it sounds scary, (laughs) because we like to follow rules and we like to feel like we're on the right track. Um, As I said, your body has this amazing voice and when you allow your body to have whatever it wants it doesn't actually want all these like less nutritious foods as much as you would think yeah Um, and I say less nutritious because of this like I don't like to use good and bad right because it's that judgment so I like to say Something is more nutritious, something is less nutritious, because actually all food has nutrition and all food serves a purpose. So whether it's an emotional thing or um, a fuel thing, whatever it is, um, if you're going for it and you're eating it, it's because it served a purpose for you in that moment. 
Um, so, I mean, how does that feel to you? I, I feel like maybe it was something quite like a bit profound or I don't know. I don't really like to sit in like guilt really but for me because I am active in the gym I don't try to make up for it but I am trying to be aware of I guess in my words going overboard but I don't know I just feel like I don't know I feel like I do eat pretty healthy but I don't know because <laughs> I'm like trying to think how I word things but I think that is true we kind of I feel like a lot of people especially when you're around other people People always try to, like, I guess they have shame with what they eat. And I've noticed that a lot of people are, like, eating for other people, too, and for everyone else's judgments. And a lot of people, like, they won't even order something that they do want because of other people. Like, if they want a cookie, they won't order it because other people are judging them. But for me, I don't know. I just feel like, I don't know. I guess I should just keep on doing what I'm doing then and eat the cookie. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> if you let go of that, like, I should eat a certain amount and actually just, like, give the power to your body to decide when enough is enough, it's a really empowering way to live because you know that every single body is different, right? And when you give that power to your body, it's like, okay, I'm doing what's best for my needs. And there's not going to be this tension between, oh, I want more, but I shouldn't have more, you know, because there is no right or wrong with food. Um, it's it's so gray. It's such a, yeah, it's not black or white. So, you know, one rule for someone doesn't apply to someone else. You know, some people, for example, you can be an intuitive eater and not eat wheat, for example, because you realize that your body doesn't like it. It doesn't feel good, right? Um, and in, in intuitive eating, we we don't have rules. We just have the kind of um, the principle of you learn about yourself, you learn about your body, you take note, you understand what's going on so that you can make decisions that are best for you because they really feel good for you, right? Rather than following... Uh, rules that you see online that are not a one you know it's not a one size fits all nutrition is not it's really so subjective and once you have that power of understanding the signals that your body gives you then you can choose what's best for yourself and that's the most empowering thing that you can go through do you think that people have goals first so let's say some people want to gain weight or lose weight and then everything else follows it or do you think that they should try to take away all the pressure at first and then their goal falls in line or you don't believe in that so with intuitive eating the the weight thing is is huge right it it plays such a big um plays such a big role because if you're chasing a weight you have a biased opinion with what you should eat right so you know if you're trying to lose weight for example you will feel guilty if you eat things that you have learnt um, are like high in calories or um, are, um, I don't know, like for example, carbs was demonized at one point, fat was demonized, sugar is still demonized. Um, So for you to become a full intuitive eater, the only way you can be 
be completely neutral with food is if you stop kind of chasing a weight um, or an appearance goal. And that can be scary at first because so many of us place our worth on the way that we look. And we also live in a society where it's so encouraged. Um, it's so encouraged to be a certain weight and, and things like that. So it's a scary kind of concept, but it's about placing your worth in other areas, like who you are, like what makes you you, what lights your soul, what you enjoy, and giving in to your body deciding for you what your healthiest weight is. Um, so we have this thing called a set point weight range. I don't know if you've heard of it, but no, I haven't. Everyone, yeah, so everyone's is different. And it's the range in which your body thrives. It wants to be within this weight range because it can function its best, its happiest. Um, and when you intuitively eat, your body takes you to this place uh, like naturally. But what happens is when you diet or when you force um, restriction on your body, your body is so scared to come out of this weight range that it does everything to increase your appetite, lower your metabolism. Um, and that's why we know that like 90% of people who go on a diet gain the weight back um, in the next like at least five years. And also a big proportion of those people actually gain weight. So when, using me as an example, when I was dieting, restricting, and then binge eating, it was like such a yo-yo. I was actually getting heavier every single time that I was in that like weight gain phase. And I didn't even realize until I looked back. Um, and I see that with so many women, um, especially women who go through menopause, if they have been dieting uh, the large proportion of their lives, they're actually more likely to gain weight um, during menopause. Um, and it's actually become this, this link now. If you are someone who diets and restricts your food, you're more likely to experience weight gain than someone who doesn't diet or restrict. Um, and dieting and restricting is literally just having some kind of like rule that you shouldn't eat over this amount or, you know, whether it's exercise too. Um, obviously, the more um, the more intense the diet, the, the, the bigger effect it's going to have. Um, so it's really, really interesting, right? So there's so many people in this world engaging in dieting and restriction and the large proportion of them are actually shooting themselves in the foot they're doing uh, the least they're, they're doing more harm than good um, and they're creating habits where they're so magnetized to food that they really want to eat but they shouldn't eat and that's what leads them to binge eat and that has a big effect on them you know putting on weight in the long run so it's crazy right like you think oh my God, there's all these people that are trying to lose weight and it's so hard to lose weight because of genetics and um, what our body does to keep us in that safe space. Um, but what happens is when you are in this restrictive phase, when you diet, your body pushes your set point range higher and higher because of the fear. It wants to make sure that it tries even harder to get back fat you know mm -hmm. so that's the damage that people are doing but the diet industry is booming it's it's worth like 12 billion or something crazy like that and it's getting 
um, it's getting more rich and rich every year because people are not losing the weight sustainably. They're not keeping it off. So, um, yeah, it's it's a huge topic. Um, but, yeah, very interesting stuff. Do you think that more people are overweight or underweight? Because a lot of overweight people, obviously, that's more obvious. And people kind of applaud people who are skinnier in our society. Do you think that a lot of underweight people are struggling more because it's kind of unseen? Um, You know what? I don't have the statistics. um, But what I will say is that working with people, I know that the way you look actually has nothing to do with it. It's so about your self-worth. You know, someone could have um, something very close to like the idealistic body, but because they have body dysmorphia, because they have such low self-worth, they are beating themselves up daily when they look in the mirror and they're starving themselves and then binge eating. And I have so many clients that come to me and they say, do you work with people who are like not, um, you know, in a bigger body? Like, I, I guess it doesn't, I, I mean, I had one client who told me, my friends told me that I have nothing to worry about because even though I'm binge eating, I'm um, in a small body. And that's really sad because actually, you know, there's so much emotion that comes into binge eating. You, you, a lot of guilt, a lot of self-hatred, a lot of frustration and a lot of feelings of failure. And like, you feel like you can't control yourself. Um, also she probably does have body image, um, concerns as well, because if you have low self-worth, you will kind of trash talk yourself in any sense. Um, so it doesn't really matter what body you're in. Uh, but I do appreciate that for women in bigger bodies, um, it is harder because the world is discriminating against you. And we live in a world that favors people in small bodies. Um, so, I mean, you know, there's different levels of, um, experiences, but I think I always, always honor that, um, everyone is, everyone feels a certain way and it's no one's place to judge and say, you know, you're, your feelings are more valid than someone else's, you know? So yeah, very complex topic. (laughs) So for the guilt around food, do you think it's more of someone trying to coach themselves to not feel that way? How would you try to tell people to kind of unravel that guilt and that shame? Yeah, so there's so many steps to it because it's a very like interconnected subject. So you really do have to make peace with your body. You need to make peace with the way that you look. Um, And that's really difficult. That takes time. Um, You also have to learn to, um, you have to learn to build awareness around the messages that you receive in the media, who you're following. You know, if you're following accounts that are promoting like really strict mentalities when it comes to food, then of course you're going to feel guilty. Um, And the same with body image. If you're following all accounts where, you know, there are women in tiny bodies, then of course you're going to hate yourself. Um, So first building up the awareness of what are the thoughts that are coming into my head when I eat or when I look at myself, where do they come from? You know, whether that's things that you've learned from 
years ago when you were a child or a teenager, whether that's things that you're learning every day through media, uh, through, I don't know, TV programs, um, and really deciding that these thoughts and these beliefs that you're holding are really damaging you. They're, they're making you feel guilt. And I think guilt is one of the worst things we can feel because it's like self-inflicted. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. you're doing something bad. You're not good enough. You, you know, it's all these like hateful thoughts towards ourself. Um, and realizing that actually when you stop uh, feeling all these negative thoughts, thoughts towards yourself and feelings that you'll be in an empowered place to actually prioritize what's best for you like mentally and physically um so it's kind of like understanding your food rules I mean I get my clients to write down all their food rules and then we go through them one by one and you know decide why carbs are not bad for you you know why you need fat in your life and there's so many reasons why um food serves a purpose we don't have to actually use that as like rules we can see the love in it right so for example I put on weight when I came to Bali and back in the day I would have been so kind of like uh that would have sent me into some anxious like restrictive very um deep and destructive thoughts And although, you know, every now and then I get uncomfortable when I see some weight gain because it scares me, but then I lean into, okay, why, um, why did you experience weight gain? And I look back at the girl who moved to Bali and she was super, super stressed. She was not feeding herself properly. She was prioritizing work over food. Um, and I look at the girl in Bali now and she's nourishing herself. She's eating a variety of foods she's honoring her hunger she's honoring her excitement and emotions and she's going out with her friends and she's enjoying food you know for celebration and all these reasons and actually I feel like the weight gain that I've I've experienced is actually a sense of love um so it's kind of building a positive mindset around the way that you eat so okay I'm going to eat emotionally right now, um, but it's coming from a place of love. You know, at least I'm not using drugs. At least I'm not using alcohol to suppress my emotions. There is a place for emotional eating as well. Um, But what I work on with my clients is being empowered in their emotional eating rather than Mm -hmm. finding themselves in that place and wondering how they got there. Yeah, I think also staying there for too long, too. Yeah, I think um, staying there for too long and for me, it's like, okay, I don't want to set any rules about how long you should stay there because that's when you create guilt. Yeah. But, but the thing is, is like when you feel guilt, you're more likely to stay there for longer. And when you um, have like, when you're lacking tools to manage your emotions, that's when you're more likely to stay in that emotional eating for longer. And so that's why I really work on, I have this like framework of, okay, you feel like emotional eating. What are the steps you go through to decide whether you want to use food or whether you want to use something else? Um, And once you decide, okay, I am going to use food this time, but I'm not going to feel guilty about it. 
it makes the experience much lighter and makes the experience more kind of like in tune with yourself um and it's less like negative and yeah. it's more like yeah I'm I'm just giving myself some love right now you know yeah it's a more intentional more intentional I love that word so tell us what you typically would eat in a day so for breakfast lunch dinner maybe you skip meals maybe you eat more in a day Okay, so the what I eat in a day is like a big buzz thing in social media. And for intuitive eating, it's kind of like a red flag um, because what I eat in a day actually is pretty irrelevant to everyone else because my body is so different and I will be doing different exercise. I'll be moving my body more, less. Um, different things will agree to me today I'll eat something the next day I'll eat completely different like pattern of food I might eat like way more or I might eat way less so it's kind of um, in the in the kind of intuitive eating world what I eat in a day um, it's just too little detail um, and it can have some very harmful effects on people who uh, might look at that and think oh I need to eat like that to to look like that or to be happy so um instead of answering that question as in like what I eat in a day would you be open to me like explaining how I choose what to eat yeah that's like what I meant so I have a routine of my breakfast it's literally the same thing every day and since I am on more of like a strict work schedule like I work a nine-to-five I eat lunch at a certain time of day but and then dinner, sometimes I skip dinner because I'm kind of too lazy to make dinner or I mm-hmm. eat at a lot. But on the weekends, sometimes I wake up late and I don't really eat or I do eat or I go out to eat with friends or so it looks different. But I just feel mm-hmm. like for me, sometimes I don't eat because I'm not really hungry. Yeah. And I think that's also. Yeah, fun. yeah of course, like intuitive eating is really about like eating when you feel like eating right so I wake up and normally nowadays I actually really do um, I do need breakfast it's funny because back in the binge eating days um, I, I used to binge eat at night and then I would wake up and I would like not need any food because I was so I felt so sick from the night before um And it's interesting, actually, because I find that when I don't eat breakfast, I eat more in the evening. I eat more, like, my body is more, like, compulsively hungry later on, um, which is so interesting. I think I really encourage people to just, like, try different things and notice how their body responds. Um, So, yeah, like, normally I would eat breakfast nowadays. I think I've kind of built that routine where I don't really eat too late uh which means I wake up hungry which is quite nice um and you know sometimes I fancy something sweet or refreshing you know whether that's a piece of fruit or um I might have like peanut butter on toast with some jam I think you guys call it jelly um it's really like it's so different every day um if I go boxing I love boxing if I do a boxing class I finish that boxing class and I need like a, like a big meal. Um, but sometimes I just want like something really light, like a smoothie bowl. 
but I think it has so much to do with like how active I am and maybe what the, my last meal was. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's so hard to like give you a specific answer because it's so different all the time. Um, but I really just tune into like how hungry I am and what I know will keep me fuller for longer as well. Because if I eat like loads of light snacks, which a lot of people who diet, um, this is what they do. They eat like less filling things, uh, low fat things, um, snacks, as in like healthy snacks, but they're not substantial. And mm -hmm. what they're do what they're doing is they're operating at this um, very kind of like high hunger phase. So instead of really feeling full and satisfied for a long time, they kind of fluctuate between really hungry. Um, kind of hungry, really hungry, kind of hungry. You see what I'm saying? So they end up like kind of either um, snacking all day, which is something I used to do, or it comes to the end of the day, emotions are high, hunger hormones are high because you've not satisfied your hunger properly. And then, you know, bang, you're like an animal. You're like, it's primal. You can't control it. Um, and that's what I work on a lot with my clients is making sure that they're eating enough of the right fulfilling and satisfying foods during the day and that foods that you actually enjoy too, right? Because you're not just satisfying your physical fullness, you're also satisfying um, the enjoyment. If you're not enjoying your food, your, your body will ask you for enjoyment at some point and it will demand it of you and it will control you so that you, you, you have it. Um, so yeah I hope that makes sense I feel like I went on a bit of a tangent but yeah <laughs> no, that makes sense so if you kind of don't really have a strict obviously way of eating how would you shop for groceries because personally I have this idea that I'm going to cook and whatnot but I'm busy and then I waste food I throw it away and I'm wasting money at the same time so how do you suggest people to buy groceries and at the same time obviously everyone's trying to save money so I just go by like food groups. So, <clears throat> okay, so I know I'm having five dinners this week. Uh, for example, I'm going to buy like um, five protein kind of entities. So, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be different every night, but I might buy some chickpeas. I'm vegetarian, by the way. Um, but this applies to meat eaters too. So I might, I know that in every meal I want to have protein because, um, that's what keeps me full. That's what makes my body feel satisfied after a meal. Um, so I'll, I'll buy some protein, um, and I'll choose my favorite vegetables that I love the taste of. Um, and I'll think, okay, what sauce am I going to have with that? Um, I really like a creamy sauce sometimes because I feel like the creaminess is way more satisfying than like no sauce or, you know, whatever. Um, so I kind of build the meals in my head as I go along based on what I know I like and what I know my body, um, feels good, um, after. So like this whole intuitive eating thing, it's like a discovery journey. Um, if you're so used to following rules or following someone's like guidance in what to eat, which a lot of nutritionists and PTs do, right? They, mm -hmm. they give you a meal plan, but they don't give you the tools to like create your own meals. Well, I mean, not all of them, but, um, it's very, it's very often that you see that 
people build a dependency on the, on the meal plans. Um, and what I like to do is give you that kind of empowerment and that, um, that like, I guess, independence to build meals for yourself. Um, so really understanding like, okay, every time I eat a meal, make, taking check of like, right, this meal was not as satisfying as the last time I had it because I didn't put a dressing on the salad and it was just like not as filling. So then, you know, in future, like, okay, my meals are going to be way more satisfying if I'm adding a sauce or I'm adding some cheese or um, I'm adding some kind of like dollop of, I don't know, peanut butter, whatever it is. Um, You start to really understand you and understand your body and understand what works for you. And that's when you get to that empowered place of, I don't need anyone to tell me what I should and what I shouldn't eat because I trust my body and my body's telling me everything. Yeah, this is very interesting because I'm definitely learning a lot. And how would you say that people should deal with cravings? Like if they're craving something sugary, something salty, because sometimes we're craving something and we never find like the answer maybe we want like a sweet and then we get ice cream but then you still don't feel good like how do you treat that so cravings I'm gonna tell you about three different types of hunger and that kind of uh, cravings falls into it so the first type is physical hunger so the classic you know like physical signs whether that's stomach aches feeling low on energy headaches um there's so many different signs um and then there's emotional hunger where uh your hunger feels like it's more specific you're craving something specific um you look aimlessly in your fridge you kind of like quite picky about what you want to eat um you uh you try foods and they probably don't satisfy that feeling that that you want and there's also taste hunger which is kind of um more just about you fancy something like salty or sweet and you have a few bites and then you're satisfied so there's less of an emotional link there it's more like you know you want just a different taste in your palate so if you're someone who's craving something in this moment um think about which hunger are you experiencing is it physical is it emotional or is it taste would you be happy to like stop eating that thing after like, I don't know, a handful of crisps, you're done. If not, then it's probably emotional. Um, And when it's emotional, then you wanna dig deep into naming that emotion. And this is really deep work actually, because understanding your emotions is a really, really powerful thing that you can do not just in the kind of nutrition and eating sense. Um, You know, it's relationships, it's everything. So when you feel an emotion, understanding where it comes up in your body is huge uh, because different emotions actually physically arise in our bodies in different places. Um, So really sitting with yourself and thinking, okay, what can I name this emotion right now? Uh, What's really helpful is using an emotional word wheel Um, It might help you like actually find a word for your emotion. Um, And the the more specific you get with that word, uh, the better you can deal with that emotion, right? So for example, let's go for like bored 
or unfulfilled. A lot of people turn to food when they feel bored or they feel unfulfilled or, you know, they're lacking in some kind of way in that moment. Um, Once you nail that word and you understand that's how you feel, then you can look at your options and think, right, food is one of the ways that I can cope with this, whether because it gives me comfort and it, you know, might give me some excitement because of how bored I'm feeling. Um, but what other ways can I bring excitement into this moment? Um, and that will look different for everyone. It could be um, forward planning a holiday or like a trip somewhere. It could be um, calling someone that you've not spoken to in a long time. It could be planning something for your weekend. It could be reading a chapter of a book that you've been meaning to read. Like it's so different on everyone. And the thing is, is like, if you are a really emotional eater, your habit is to go to food. And I want you to know that breaking habits is not easy. So it's just about, um, firstly, bringing more awareness to those times when you emotionally eat. And if it's too difficult to be aware before, just reflect, do the emotional eating and then sit down with your journal and think, okay, what went on for me today uh, that led up to this? What was I feeling before I ate that food? Why did I choose that food? Uh, What link does that food have to my emotions? You know, Um, and just really like understanding yourself is the first step because everyone's situation is different, right? So Once you understand why you're craving something, why you're emotionally eating, then you can start to like work on it backwards um, and you can start like giving yourself that love. Okay, like I'm not, I'm not a failure for emotionally eating. I'm just feeling something pretty intense right now and I'm using something not that bad to cope with my emotions. You know, there's way worse things out there. Um, But now that I know this, what are my other options? You know, what can I look at doing um, when I feel like this? And food can always still stay as an option. Um, it's just really important not to be- beat yourself up because when you beat yourself up, one, it lasts longer because you're adding more emotions to the cauldron. And two, you're more likely to then restrict yourself the next day because you're like, I need to make up for it. Um And when you enter the restriction, you're just setting yourself up to binge eat or emotionally eat again in the future. So it's really about breaking that cycle. And and breaking that cycle comes from either eliminating guilt or just not restricting yourself anymore. Intermittent fasting, I know it's a thing now. I think that's spoken about more and I can see how it can be a little bit harmful if you're not in the right headspace. It's a diet, but it's kind of like anti-diet because like you're not really eating for a long period of time. What are your thoughts on that? My thoughts are um, ask yourself why you're doing it. Um, If it's because it feels good for you in your body and it's working for you and it's not making you feel deprived. It's not making you feel um, like you're missing out. It's working with your social life. It's working with you know, you as a person, then great. Like there is, I'm, I can't sit here and say anything is right or wrong because I don't know you. I don't know, you know, what your life is like. So for me, I just encourage 
to really like stand bird's eye view at the situation and see the positives and negatives you know like if it is restricting you if you're not able to live out your social life if you're sitting there at like 8 p.m starving and hating your life and wishing that you could eat in the evenings then i would say it's not serving you um you know everyone is so different and we all have different schedules and we all value different things about food so I think like you need to you need to remember that health is not just physical it's mental too right and this is the big thing with dieting and this is the big thing that I missed for 10 years I forgot to look after my mental health I was restricting my food I was only trying to eat low fat low whatever which is not good for your physical health anyway but I was forgetting that I'm on this planet and I have a limited amount of time and I should be enjoying my time, right? I shouldn't be feeling like this is unfair. Everyone else gets to eat what they want. You know, all my friends are eating the chocolate and they're not feeling guilty. Like you deserve to have balance in your life and you deserve to be enjoying the way that you live. So with intermittent fasting, just really ask yourself those questions. Like, does it really make you happy? Is it making you bingy on the weekends? You know, because if you're really strict in the week, then you're more likely to lash out on the weekends. So it's just all about awareness when it comes to me. (laughs) Yeah, I think this is such an important topic that not many people talk about, especially I think with women, because it's just so normal, like you said, in families and in different cultures that you see someone else doing it. So you feel like you should also do, even if you didn't originally feel that way about food, it's like contagious, you know, to like, mm-hmm. like when there's a group of girls and one girl starts talking negatively about her body, then you feel like even though you don't probably feel negative about yourself, you start to look at yourself differently and you start to nitpick little things. And food is yeah. such a sensitive thing that it's a day to day thing. You know, everyone eats and everyone has somewhat of a relationship with food, whether it's negative or positive. Definitely. I do think that people should kind of think about it because it is affecting it affects everyone yeah and I think it comes back to what you asked me earlier you said um what's a bad bitch to you and I think it ties in really well because actually there's a lot of noise around us there's a lot of um people influencing us you know we we stick we often go with trends and what everyone else is doing but a bad bitch blocks out the noise of things that do not serve her right so like okay this person is complaining about their body and they're they they might be um restricting themselves or this person is intermittent fasting but it's about deciding okay what's best for me because these things might be working for other people they may or may not be happy, I don't know, but you're in your right to try it, you know, like, there's no right or wrong, if you're thinking about um, intermittent fasting, try it, but do it with awareness, do it with, um, you know, this, this empowerment that I'm going to choose what's, like, physically and mentally best for me, rather than what everyone else is doing. I love that, that's such a good answer. How can someone become a client of yours and where can they find you? So um, I am at I am Nuna Cam 
on uh, Instagram. I also have a website called uh, nunasnutrition.com. So that's my clinic. And I work with people on a one-to-one basis. That's more like intense binge eaters. Um, But I also have some really great courses, um, 12-week programs for people who just want more empowerment with their food, more balance, um, you know, to heal their relationship with food and also have more of a peace of mind around um, food and their bodies. I really lead people through actually um, finding their purpose because a lot of the clients that I work with, once they heal their relationship with food, they actually start fulfilling their dreams and their purpose and what they feel fulfills them. So yeah, it's kind of a journey, um, but it's amazing. Um, and yeah, I'm so glad to be here and I'm so happy that you you have me on this podcast. Thank you so much. I really personally learned a lot and I know that a lot of people are going to feel more free because I think a lot of people are kind of in chains for like things that I feel like they can just adjust and it would make them feel so much free and ultimately Mm -hmm. that it comes down to happiness and just doing what's best for you exactly and I think that's what we all want right we all want to be happy so you know whether that's I mean you have to just be aware that the body image or the weight that you want is just like one of the stepping stones to the happiness. There's other ways, there's other ways there. You don't have to, you know, lose weight. You don't have to um, restrict yourself. There's other ways to, to feel good in, in, in yourself and have that worth. Yeah. And also confidence for me, being a bad bitch is being confident and you don't have to fit into a perfect mold. You can just be you and people are going to love that if you're authentic and you're happy in who you are as a person. Exactly. That's when you're thriving, when you're your authentic self. Yes. Thank you so much. I think this was amazing. And we should do another episode soon. Absolutely. I'm always up for podcasts. So thank you. Thank you so much. See you. Bye. (laughs) 